0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Copcast Podcast. Uh, As you may have noticed, I'm sure it hasn't escaped your attention, the uh, European Championships has started a year ago, but uh, better late than never. And uh, yeah, as I said, a special edition to chat uh, about all the things that have gone on so far in the first round of matches and maybe uh, predict a few things that might happen in the next round of matches. So... Joining me, Neil Patterson, to uh, chat about these wonderful goings on. I've got a stellar cast. I've got um, Beryl Akers in the Netherlands.
1: How are you doing, Beryl? I'm very well, thank you. I'm um, enjoying some good weather and some, you know, nice football at the Euros.
0: Excellent, excellent. I should say, Doctor Beryl Ackes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you,
1: you don't need to say that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, congratulations Ack- anyway. Um alongside Beryl, there's uh, Andy Bell in, in Liverpool. How are you doing, Andy?
2: Yeah, you should say Dr. Andy, but not money am Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Um joined the Festival of Football. Um, three games a day. I didn't know what to be at today. We're recording, obviously, on the Tuesday. No 2pm game. Felt like my life was completely empty. But yeah, as Beryl says, I've been really enjoying it. Great weather, great vibes, great football on TV for the most part. Um, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into talking about it. Nice one, nice one. All good then. So, um,
0: finally making up the making up the trio there. Last but not least is uh, Dave Dunning at home in Belfast. How are you doing, Dave? <laughs> I'm good at home, Dave. Yes,
3: I'm good. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the football. I'm having a lovely time. The bars are open. I haven't I haven't drank a pint of anything other than Guinness so far because I've been starved of it for so long. So yeah, I'm I'm having a blast, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm enjoying myself as well a uh, bit, bit like you just making the most of of, of, of a bit of normality sunshine beer and, and football um, so yeah thanks for asking all all good here <clears throat> so we'll fire on with this then so um, obviously the Euro, European championships have have kicked off and as uh, as Andy alluded to plenty of football to to be getting our teeth into after the initial one game uh opening night as as is tradition um we've been treated to pretty much three games uh three games a day until the day which is the the tuesday where there were the the remaining two and yeah plenty you you know plenty of sort of new things about this about this tournament um not least the fact that it's being played in I think it we counted was it 11 Dave, different host cities
3: yeah i think so 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 I think the the 12th might have been might have been Dublin that I think I think isn't involved anymore. Um or maybe we're missing some, I don't know. It's kind of hard to keep up.
0: Yeah, but certainly certainly plenty of loads uh, anyway, of, loads, yeah. Yeah, of home venues. Um, um the first time ever obviously every time before it's just been held in in one particular host country. Um and then with that some of these, obviously, some of these host cities are um, are from countries who who are taking part in the European Championships, which has left, well, has meant that uh, certain teams are playing all their group games at home. Some teams have have then, of course, the possibility of playing semi-finals and, and finals at home, in front of uh, home capacity and so on. So, so yeah, a few a few tweaks and, and changes and things that are that are actually quite different. Of course, we. We've had the 2014 format before, we had this last time, and we're quite familiar with the, the way teams go through. So, although the, the Jeopardy isn't isn't there as it was, you know, eight years or, or 12 years ago, um, it's something we've gotten a bit more used to, so it's not brand new. So, so yeah, Beryl, what, what do you make of the – what have you made of, of the tournament so far? Sort of general impressions and, um, yeah, do you think – this kind of home uh, yeah random home cities or a random uh, host venues shall I say a lot of them and, and certain teams having home advantage you got any any kind of ideas on that or or, or or ideas as to whether it's made any difference or what you think of it or yeah it's, it's
1: uh, you know first of all we have a, a, a small sample size you know, to speak in those terms um, it's the first uh, round but it, it, it is different of course you know it, it was uh, traditionally we, we had a, a host country and and then you would travel between uh, cities in in that country and you know which meant that that teams could set up camps somewhere and uh, and you know didn't have to travel a, a lot to, to play their games uh, that is still possible for some teams but for for others it isn't uh, we were Looking at, you know, for instance, uh, Turkey played their first game uh, in Rome, in Italy, and, and will play their game, the second game uh, against Wales in, in Azerbaijan. I think they play their third game there as well. And you No, know, Azerbaijan is, is close to Turkey, but, but, you know, not very close to Rome. So there, there has been some traveling there. Um, uh, you know, this is just an example, but the, um, uh, I think... Um, it's, it's nice because you have, uh, not one team that, that has a, a home crowd, which means you, you know, stadiums will be filled out, you know, as, as, as much as they can in this, uh, in this, um, still COVID times. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to see, uh, to see, uh, some audiences, uh, and, and, you know, and they're, they're not all totally filled out. Um, maybe Budapest was. I'm not mistaken, I think they could fill their stadium uh, totally, but, um, you know, most aren't. But still, it's better than than nothing because I, I've watched some Copa America, not, not to go on a tangent too long, but, you know, they still don't have uh, crowds and, you know, it's, it's dreadful. So that's good. Um, um, uh, and, and it, it means that, that there isn't one team that has all the, uh, the home advantage and there are several teams that have uh, home advantage but you know there are still also teams that don't have home advantage i i'm you know we still need to find out what what uh, the effects of that will be but um i think you know there are advantages there are disadvantages and, uh, and i i'm i'm not I, I can't see all of that right now but uh, you know it's 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 just nice to see to see uh international football again in a tournament not not a in the in, in in national break, that always comes at a bad time. Um, but, and, and, and these are meaningful games. It's a tournament. Yeah, if, if you don't, uh, if you lose the first game, you're already immediately in, in jeopardy. Um, what, what, what I could also say is that, um, you know, club football, uh, in, in especially from good teams, is, is always better. It's tactically better. Um, you know, um, Players are used to to play in a certain way. Are used to play together, and you know, uh, and and not all teams have have had the same time to to, to train together, like you know, Spain. We, we might get into that later, but um, and, and you can see that you know that, that they weren't as, as good as playing as fluidly as uh, as you would expect from a Spain team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, um, it's it's nice to see some 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 different players, some different teams, uh, some crowds, uh sunshine, um, interesting goals, uh, interesting decisions, um, some drama, um, you know, I I'm, I'm talking about the sporting drama. You know, there was also some human drama, but you know, we'll talk about that later. Um but you know, in in, in general, I I'm really happy to 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 watch this tournament. You know, I I have a bit of time on my hands right now, so yeah. Um I'm I'm enjoying it. So far, let's
0: say. Excellent, excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it is uh, it is a small sample size so far to to really judge as to whether there's any any kind of advantage going to to teams playing in front of their their home crowds, even uh, even with limited numbers. But uh, but it'd be interesting to see certainly as the tournament goes on. But yeah, Andy. As Beryl says, he says it's nice to, to be back watching tournament football and for the big crowd and, and sunshine. And Yeah, so, so how are you feeling about the, the tournament summer and, and how it's gone so far?
2: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I was just having a flick through the games there, um, just to refresh my memory of everything. And there hasn't really been a bad game so far. Uh, every game's had its own little interest and narrative. Some games have been quite one-sided, some games haven't been that competitive, but everything's been, been quite fun, and on the point of like the, the different host nations, I think it's only happening for this tournament, because I think 2024, you'll know better than me, Chief, I'm fairly sure that's in Germany. And then in 2028, 20, I think it's maybe in Turkey, or certainly Turkey is one of the countries bidding for it. But the idea is that it's going to be uh, one host nation or one or two, uh, as it has been in the past for the Euros. So, you know, I'm happy for the, for this to happen for this one, especially given the COVID times, especially given the fact that, you know, some uh, some countries can't travel due to different red lists or amber lists or whatever, and fans need to quarantine on their way back and, and things like that. So, the more often we actually have a home crowd, whether it's a full stadium like we saw in Russia or in Hungary today or whether it's, what was it, 12,000 like we saw in Scotland, I'm happy for there to be a home crowd and to be a bit of an atmosphere at these games because that's what we've so, so sorely lacked really uh, throughout the last year and a half of club football. And that's really what international tournaments are all about. It's about the atmosphere. It's about the travelling fans. Um, and yeah, I've had fun. I, I'm not really entirely sure what I think of the whole third third place teams going through obviously I was very happy with it in 2016 when uh, when Northern Ireland qualified having lost two games and won one uh, I think it's interesting as teams now kind of look at it and see well if we can just get one win if we can just get three points somewhere along the line then we'll probably qualify and to be one of those four of the six teams coming through you'd think you know maybe one or two of the the teams finishing third uh, you'll know you'll always get the the teams who dominate it, the two teams dominate it, and the two third, uh, third and fourth place teams on one point. Sometimes you'll see a team uh, on on maybe two points as well. So three points gives you a really good chance of going through. And while other in other tournaments, when you have to finish top two, some teams might have settled for a draw. Twenty minutes to go, maybe even like looking at Slovakia yesterday against Poland. Um, whereas now they're probably see you know twenty minutes to go. This is our probably our best chance of actually winning the game and getting through. I think you saw that borne out in how, for example, North Macedonia played against Austria the other day as well. So yeah, there's been well, there's hardly been a
3: draw, Andy. Has there just on your point?
2: Yeah, no, yeah, there hasn't. Um, and I think Wales, know, Switzerland, I think, but I can't yeah, think of another one off the top of my head. Wheel Switzerland, there's spain Sweden as yeah, well. Nothing. But like you, you can Sweden, understand yeah. that, you know, you know, Sweden are always gonna, Sweden are always gonna go for that, and and Wales, Switzerland, Switzerland are like a decent team, but quite boring, and and can kind of, affect, there's not a single nation in the world I wouldn't back them to draw one each with but yeah as I say when you when you look through those games there's not really been a a game where you've thought oh, I'd, I'd rather a team went for this a little bit more or uh you know th- that could have done that we're on a similar level so I think it's uh, you'll always get your kind of Northern Ireland against Germany scenario in the last day where we were <laughs> packing everyone behind the ball and just trying not to lose 4-0 or whatever it was it would have knocked us out but for the most part, I think teams are actually looking to try and win these games. That makes it more open. That makes it more fun. And as relative neutrals at a tournament, that's what you're in it for, isn't
0: it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an interesting point that you make on that. I mean, and the number of draws is actually is actually uh, quite startling when when you have a wee look there. I mean, it is it does seem seem quite low for the opening game of uh, of a European Championship. I mean, the motto. In the past, with 16 teams, was always just don't lose, don't lose the first game. If you lose the first game, you're you're in big trouble. So I mean, um, yeah, just moving on then to you, Dave, and and your impressions of the tournament so far. Obviously, you mentioned the the lack of draws there, and so what have, what have you made of of sort of the format and 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 uh, the locations and and yeah, just in general the football. The
3: locations. I'm going to be really honest, I'm not a massive fan of it for a number of reasons, but more so just for fans. Now, obviously, that mm-hmm. that doesn't really factor in, given the situation that, that we've been in in the last 18 months or whatever. And obviously, there's reduced travel and things like that. Um, there's less fans games. But that decision was made long before this happened. Um, and travel restrictions put in place for obviously the COVID reasons that we hear talking about. So I don't love it. I was lucky enough to be at the last tournament and I remember I went to see Northern Ireland, Poland and Nice. Um, and the next night we went out for just went out for something to eat. And I think it was Italy in Belgium in the TV and there was a pile of Italians around and two kind of restaurant cafe sort of things. We had something to eat. And they were beside each other and it was really funny because one stream was about two minutes behind the other one. But there was Italians in both in both cafes watching the game. So it was really funny watching them running between running between each kind of restaurant to see what was going on. And that's the sort of thing that you miss, you know. Um I remember a Belgian fella guiding me down in Lyon to the, the fan area, like a twenty minute walk, just because his mate was ten minutes away. So he went, I'll walk you down, we had a chat for twenty minutes. And that's the sort of thing that makes an international tournament, you know, that's the sort of thing that I think we don't see enough of these days, given the kind of social climate is just piles of people from piles of different countries, all just coming together and putting everything aside and having a lovely time just because they're all there for the football and just to have a bit of fun and a bit of crack. So I'm not a massive fan of it. I'm glad that it's like kind of a one-off and, and they're reverting back um, because I think, you know, and again, it's never been more pertinent the, the phrase that you know fans make football um, yeah. over, than over the last the eighteen months. And I think you do need to accommodate fans and cater to them um, just, because they're they're what makes they they bring they bring the the color to tournaments.
0: Yeah, I mean, just just on that, I mean, it's um. It, obviously, they've got. I, th- I think they've got quite lucky in a way. Obviously, it sounds like a bizarre thing to say. You've gotten lucky with COVID, but normally, I, I would I would one hundred percent agree that what make what what unites about an international tournament where everyone supports their own nation quite nationalistically is the fact that everyone's in the same place watching the football. And without that, you don't get that that as you say the same kind of colour the same camaraderie the same kind of uniting force that that it that it actually genuinely generally has um so so I, I would fully agree I, I think it's it's good that they're going back to the to the one country format or the, or the, the the kind of um duo host format rather than than continuing with this kind of dot and about. but In the COVID time, I think it's worked out quite well for them.
3: It's lent lent itself to the – the the format's lent itself to the situation that we're in, which is is fine, and I'm okay with that. You know, it's – I don't want to say fortunate. It's just a a coincidence, a happy coincidence, if you like.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, you know, that's – be that as it may, as I say, I'm glad it's going back. I agree with Andy. I think the quality of games has been – great. I think the format has a lot to do with that as he's as he's touched on. Um he makes really good points around that. I think the other thing it gives you is an extra knockout round. You know? And who doesn't love a knockout round? So yeah, I think it it gives you an extra few games. We all like that. It gives you quite another quite quite a number of few games extra actually. Because essentially what it's two extra groups. Um, but the extra knockout round, I think is, I think is great. I think the other thing that's weird is the whole, you know, where do you finish in the group and what are teams going to do and blah, blah, blah. And that adds a little bit of jeopardy that wasn't there before because you always kind of knew if you finished first in your group, the likelihood is you're going to get a, a decent draw, whereas it's not quite as simple as that now. So uh, listen, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I think some of the football has been great. I think some of the games have been great. Um, I think some of the drama has been brilliant. Obviously, game of the tournament, um, uh, Holland and, um, God, Ukraine. Great game of football. Five goals in the second half. Drama left, right and centre. And, yeah, um, I have to say, I just, it's so funny. Um, I really do. I really like international football. And so many people whine and moan, oh, international break, I hate international football, would international football ever fuck off? when a tournament's on? Everybody's like, fuck, I take my work off to watch the games. I've booked my two weeks holidays during the, during the Euros or during the World Cup. Everybody wants to watch it. So, yeah, you know, this is, kind of, I think this is kind of what you go through the slog for if you kind of want to relate it to club football. This is why you watch Liverpool versus Burnley, you know, on a, or a Liverpool on a cold Tuesday night in Stoke, as they all love to say. You know, that's why you watch that shit, because you're in it for the long haul. You're in it for the business end, and this is now the business end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You've got to go through the, the, the storm to come out in the golden sky, I suppose, um, if you want to put it like that. So, yeah, why not? Okay, excellent. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, Pretty much go along with that. I mean, the, the tournament kind of snuck up on, on me a little bit. Um, managed to sort of get into the, into the, into the mood kind of a couple of days before. And, and by the time the Italy Turkey game kicked off, you know, we were, we were well set and we were aware to watch it and all. And yeah, the quality, the quality has been, been, been pretty high. Fewer draws. Um, the second half of games for me so far seemed to, it, 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 you you alluded to there with the Netherlands Ukraine have have produced more goals and have sort of produced uh, more excitement, but yeah it, it looks it looks well set. Um, so before we go any further then um, I suppose we'll 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 uh, cut to the the sort of uh, biggest event that that's happened at, at the European Championship so far. Certainly the, the biggest human event anyway the 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 Christian Eriksen. Um, situation, injury, um, collapse, whatever you, you'd like to call it. Um, obviously this happened on Saturday night. Um, Denmark against, against Finland, Finland's first ever European Championship match. Um, which they obviously went on to win, although under, under rather muted circumstances. Uh, so obviously, yeah, uh, Christian Eriksson collapsing. Uh, near the, near the beginning of the, of the match, um, nobody else around him. And, you know, obviously we, we also, the pitchers needing to, need to have CPR and, and to be rushed to hospital. And exactly he's okay. Um, or as, as, well as can be expected, but certainly recovering well by all accounts. So, um, so yeah, obviously, you know, terrible for him. Um, great that he's, that he's on the men, but sort of on the, on the wider point then, um, they're all just, um, We've, we've, we've kind of seen this, this, this kind of thing happen before, um, with players and Mark Vivian Fowey springs to mind. And unfortunately, he, uh, this happened, this was earlier and, and he didn't get the required attention quickly enough. Um, and, and certainly others, uh, including in, in, Premier League matches. Um, so yeah, I mean, do you have any, do you have any thoughts on this? And obviously on, on Ericsson's situation and, and, um, and what, yeah? Any thoughts really surrounding? I mean, you know, is is, is it over stress? Is it is it overplay? Is it is it a like a medical condition? Is it a genetic defect? Any ideas whatsoever on on that? And and sort of generally how it was handled because it, it's it seems as I kind of uh, tried to tried to uh, allude to earlier, it was handled pretty well. Um. So yeah, what were your what were your, what was your take on the on the whole? kind of uh, shocking affair
1: uh, yeah I was uh, watching this on my own and uh, um, no, uh, no there's no uh, no no context more than that but you know I, I, I had a bit of headache and I was you know not entirely concentrating on on, on, uh, on the match uh, but it, it was a good match I thought you know Denmark were playing really well, and and, uh, and Christian Eriksen, who we all know uh, very well from the Premier League, and I've seen him in uh, in, the, in the Eredivisie before, um, uh, had a major role to play in that. He was he was their best player, I, I think. And then you know he he collapsed, and uh, and, and you I, I I didn't see him collapse, I but but I saw you know the the, the panicked reactions and. And after a while, they were, um, you know, the players were. I uh, saw what's his name, Delaney, um, uh, directing players to, to stand uh, as, as a sort of guard, uh, you know, around him, and, and things were looking. You know, the, it was very clear that this this wasn't just uh, an injury, or you know, sometimes players fall and they, they swallow their tongue, and you no, know, which is very dangerous, but you know. That, that is something that you have to address very quickly but um, not as long as this was taking and then um, I, I watched them you know I, I saw them perform CPR and I was you know this was a very upsetting event you know i, I, I it, it, it really um, you know I, I was I was very upset with it um, but you know uh, in the end uh, it it, it uh, he, he he survived and and, and he came out well. The, 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 in, in the Netherlands, there were, there were people referred to, to a very unfortunate event just like this, but it, this was uh, in, a, in, a, in an exhibition game or a, you know, a preparation game of, of Ajax um, in, in the summer somewhere. So uh, uh, it, it wasn't a stadium, and there were to, uh, probably weren't as much uh, medical um, staff, etc. And the the player that collapsed, who probably also had a a, a cardiac arrest, Um, wasn't attended to as quickly as as uh, was the case with Christian Eriksen. And, uh, you know, he survived, but had massive brain damage. So he will, he's still in a coma. Uh, And this is years ago. Um, Abdelhak Nouri played with number 34, which is the reason that, uh, you know, Donny van der Beek, uh, IX player who plays at Manchester United still plays with um, number 34. So you know, and, and there are some IX players um, uh, even in in in, uh, in in the Denmark squad that that, that you know were uh, you know sawing uh, we're seeing some uh, things that they have seen before, traumatizing affairs that you know were repeating themselves. And and um, yeah, it, it, it is maybe strange that. Things like this happen with with highly trained professionals who, who uh, are under constant uh, constant uh, medical control. Um, but you know there is something as uh, availability bias, which means uh, you know the things that you see are aware of. Um, um, you you tend to uh, exaggerate uh, the, the times that they happen. So you know if, if you see things on the TV and, and they happen relatively frequently, you, you might overestimate. How many times they happen in football, but maybe in, in, in normal life, they happen much more, much more often. You could say, I, I can remember the Fabrice Muamba thing. And, and, yeah uh, I, 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 didn't know he was, he was, uh, uh, resuscitated for 78 minutes, which is, you know, extraordinary. And he survived, you know, in the, um, also w- without brain damage, I believe. Uh, I don't think he plays football anymore, but you know, he, he, he lived to tell the tale. Um, I remember Danny Harke, I think 2009. Um, th- there are other examples, but in uh, yeah, this is something I find stressful. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I don't play football anymore, but, um, I, uh, I do karate and, and, and every <laughs> training is, uh, is, is as, as, uh, you know hard for me as 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 the next one and and sometimes it crosses my mind sort of, you know i don't hope i uh, have something that you know was never uh, was never uh, found before and which makes me collapse but all these players are, you know they are again on the constant medical control i find it perplexing i find it but you know it also means that probably you can't uh, see some of these things and maybe Something happened that was, uh, you know, entirely unforeseeable. Um, I, I'm imagining that Christian Eriksen wants to have some answers about why this happened. But um, you know, I, I wish him, uh, you know, all the very best. I hope he totally recovers and and and, and even can play football again. Uh, and uh, But you know, I don't know how realistic this is. But it, it I, I can imagine that if you're a football player and uh, um, uh, you know, all know Daley Blind, um, uh, who plays at the in the Netherlands. And no, he, he played for Ajax and, and Manchester United. All, in both clubs that I really don't like, but I do like him as a person uh, and and as a player. But uh, he he suffers uh, suffered some some uh, cardiac problems uh, himself. Uh, had to s- uh, stop in two games because. Uh, um, Heart fibrillations, I believe it's called, and now he has a defibrillator, you know, built in into his chest. Uh, but uh, he was very frank about what it did to him when he saw this. And, and uh, also, Christian Eriksen is, is a close friend of him. Um, and 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 what he had to, um, you know, the the the, the, the uh, psychological barrier he, he had to uh, cross to, to start playing for for the Netherlands, you know, a, a day later. And uh, no, I can imagine that this is something very stressful for every player. But, uh, and they, but at the same time, they they must believe that they are invulnerable and immortal to, to perform at the levels that they do. But uh yeah, it's, it's, it, it shows, it goes to show that uh, all of us are mortals, uh, even football players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Peron, absolutely. And, and that's, that's, I think, certainly the case. And I think that that's possibly, I mean, I mean obviously why none of us quote unquote like like to see it because we uh, we in our heads we 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 don't like to think about about mortality of course and and yeah i mean it's it's you know coming to, coming to you andy on on this you know i think you watched it as well and um you know as beryl says other players have had issues with it he's he's not the only one uh, other, other players have had even more serious issues with it, and then uh, slightly less, as Baro alludes to, with um, with uh, Daily Blint there, and uh, I know obviously Kanu had had big problems with his heart, uh, had to have surgery and, and all kinds of things. Um, but yeah, it, it, I just I just wonder. I mean, what what your take on on it is, Andy, and and what you you know what you think? Uh, is there any is it connected to the idea of 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 you know obviously we're all fans and we all talk about it all the time of about about the over workload on on players and the number of games and the extra tournaments and the lack of a break and so on and so on and so on are they connected at all or 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 will we just kind of you know obviously we don't know but is there anything to say that possibly Putting a Euro Euro Championship on in this particular season, where everything has been so bunched together, is it is, is, is in any way connected, or is it is this just a just a freak kind of occurrence that, that could happen to anyone?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I know so little about it that I, I wouldn't even want to speculate on something like that. I wouldn't de- I wouldn't really say so. You know, it was first half. It's a guy who you know is seemingly has always been always been very fit I think it's just one of these things which is you know it's 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 it's, it's a hard problem like in every other walk of life or in any other profession some things can be uh you know oh sorry uh, some things can be uh, avoided with like um you know with whether, whether it's diet whether it's exercise whether it's um you know other things like that you can diagnose certain things but there's others where it seems to be just whether it's genetic or something that can can happen out of the blue or whether we don't have the quite have the uh, scientific evidence to, to diagnose certain aspects of it yet I'm not sure um I I don't really remember some of the incidents you're talking about there you're talking about um you know Vivian Fouet and, and things like that the first one I ever remember was was Fabrice Miambo, which was was obviously massively shocking at the time and I thought it was unprecedented but I also remember Liverpool were on the verge of sign, signing Loic Remy and what actually killed that deal in the end was that I think he had some sort of a heart issue, like a hole in the heart, I think they call it, and FSG weren't insured on that. So it, it fell through at the last minute in the medical. So, yeah, listen, I, <laughs> you know, listeners will know I talk enough, enough uh, nonsense analyzing football without getting into um, the medical stuff. But, yeah, it's it's just, I think, worth mentioning that, you know, we come on here every week and every or. Sometimes twice a week when there's Champions League games on, and you know we're talking about players who are at the top of their game, um, and players in this tournament, for example, if they're if they if they play, you know, have a world class game one in every three, we talk about them as world class players, as people at the very top of their profession, as people who, you know, are uh, are, are 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 just absolutely elite at what they do. And we're kind of happy to give them that, you know, the odd time where they have a an off game or or something like that. But when you're talking about these medical professionals who, you know, reacted so quickly, and we also have to give credit to Anthony Taylor. But you know, the medical professionals were on the reacted so quickly. You can't have a bad game. You can't have a bad day. Um. You know, these people are truly at the top of their game, getting things right 100% of the time uh, under so much pressure, dealing with different types of bodies, different genetics every time, different sorts of science. You know, it's not easy, and uh, it's not easy when uh, when the eyes of the world are on you and the pressure's on you to get it right. Otherwise, you're the villain. And uh, yeah, that's all I can really add to, to what Barol said. Burl covered it fairly well, but yeah, that, that, all I can really add is I, I think they I think they have been getting a lot of credit and rightly so, but in general, they are, you know, the unsung heroes so much of the time, and uh, I mean, they've saved a guy's life.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, in, in no uncertain terms. I mean, they brought him back basically uh, between them there. So um, I mean, Dave, I think, and he's absolutely right as we mentioned earlier. I think everything was everything that could have been done right was done right, and, and thankfully it was because. Uh, I think in those situations, speed is is kind of of the essence, and and knowing what to do certainly helps. Um, but yeah, as as it's been mentioned, it, it it kind of has happened before, and maybe now they know a lot more about about what you can do in these situations. Maybe the first few few times that it, that it happened, it was a little bit a little bit more um, yeah, well, a little bit more unknown, and, and people were more shocked. So I mean, yeah. So your impressions of it and, and you know, how you felt and, and, you know, how you felt it was handled, basically, Dave? Yeah, I found
3: myself getting really upset when I was watching it. Um, and there's been a lot of criticism at, at the television companies. You know, I think the criticism being thrown at these television companies are people that, that sat through the whole ordeal and watched it and then decided to criticize it. And I've had a full rant before. We came on the pod about that, so I'm just going to leave that there. Um, but yeah, it, Andy's 100% right. You know, he's, he's, he's spoken really well on the matter. The, the people who made the real difference there are the medical professionals who are on standby. And, you know, it is concerning that these, these things can happen and it's almost. Uh, it's almost funny in a way that Ericsson's lucky it happened on the pitch yeah. because, because these things, you know, he, he wasn't particularly exerting himself. Um, you know, he was, it, it's just jogging towards the ball and I, I watched him fall over. And at first I thought he just tripped and it was, <laughs> it was a little bit funny. And then I realized that he's, you know, he's, it's, it's just kind of motionless. And then, you see a little bit of concern and then all of a sudden, you know, I think people start to realize after maybe four or five seconds, but it seemed like an eternity, but about four or five seconds as to what had actually happened. And, you know, the watch that unfold in front of you, it really just does make you realize that, you know, there are things that's loads more important than sport and football and money and politics and things like that. You know, um, yeah, and I, I got, Fairly upset watching it, um, which is bizarre because I've no, I've not even an affiliation to that player, never mind a personal relationship with, with the man, you know. Um, but as you rightly said, it's, it's just maybe that notion of mortality and, and watching, watching human emotion play out and, and having empathy towards that sort of thing just kind of got me a little bit. Um, on your question around, um, how much football these guys are playing. Um, it, it can't help, you know, and maybe some players do have a medical defect. It's just completely impossible to identify and diagnose. Um, we'll never know, probably, but I think players have spoken out. Certainly Jurgen Klopp has spoken out as well as other managers on the physical demands that we're putting on players. And maybe this is a time that people need to sit back and realise that having a World Cup in Qatar is not the best idea that ever happened. You know, putting people through an additional World Club Cup competition is not the best idea that has ever been conceived. And maybe we just need to focus on quality rather than quantity. If you want to boil it down to actual brass tacks, if you're talking about the, let's be let's be real here, the fuckers that are milking every penny that they can out of the game, because these are human beings. And they can, yeah, they the they expect. Yeah, but the expectation, as Andy rightly says, the expectation is that they do perform at the highest level all the time. And the scrutiny and criticism that they come under when they don't is enough to add the relevant amount of additional stress to exacerbate that issue even more. If you look at what Sadio Mane has had to go through this season, you know, has had COVID, clearly didn't recover any better. Felt that he needed to go and seek medical advice to check if there was something wrong with him because of how he was playing and how he was feeling. And what are we doing? We're saying, Sadio, train. Sadio, play. Sadio, train. Sadio, play. Sadio, AFCON, go and play it. Sadio, World Club Cup, go and play it. Here, Liverpool, play two games in a day in two different countries. Go and play them. We don't give a fuck. Do you know? And eventually, someone is going to have to sit back take a step back and make a sensible decision. The problem that I foresee is that that is just not, that's just never
0: going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, I, I I think you're, you're spot on there essentially with your analysis. And while you can't necessarily directly point the finger and nobody, nobody here is trying to do that. The reality is, as you say, keep flogging the horse. Eventually it's going to fall. And, you know, you keep, you keep forcing more and more workload onto a person, no matter how well trained, that can only do a finite amount of work. And in the end, they're going to buckle. So, so yeah, I, I would fully agree that it, we can't, we can't at the same time, we, we can't be massively shocked and horrified at the, the Ericsson situation and say, we never want to see that. We never want that to happen again. And, and then at the same time with the next breath, talk about how much we're looking forward to, the next World Cup, the next World Club Cup, and and so on, as we expand the 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 uh, competition ever wider, ever further, and add more and more rounds, and, and so on and so forth. So in the end, something has to give. So-
3: yeah, chief. See, see, like, see, even for 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 us mortals, there's a reason where there's a reason that our employers, or employee, uh, or whoever we work for, and if it's for ourselves, there's there's a reason that. We're legally obliged to be given a certain number of ho- leave days or holiday days a year. For that exact reason, but that's on that's not even on a physical level. That's only on a psychological level. So you can imagine what these guys are having to go through when they
0: basically just work all the time. No, no, a hundred percent. But yeah,
2: see, see the point on the just there quick on the like forty-eight team World Cup and the, the twenty-fourteen Euros. You think about it, and like the 48 team World Cup, it's 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 clearly going to make the competition a bit more dar. There's going to be a lot more games, so the games that actually games are. 48
3: games is absurd. It's yeah, absurd. It's
2: crazy. It's crazy, and it's as I say, it's going to make uh, there are going to be more games, so you're not going to actually. Enjoy the games that uh, that come around as much as you would, because there won't be the same novelty factor on it. But at the end of the day, like we're all probably going to sit down and watch every game, the four of us here. Well, maybe not every game, but most of the games, like you normally would at the World Cup. And from FIFA's point of view, or for UEFA, or whoever it is, the sponsors, like, um, you know, players' health is going to be at more risk. Yes, players are going to be more exhausted. Yes, players are going to pick up more injuries. Yes, we're not going to enjoy it as much. Yes, but. At the end of the day, if our TVs are on for all these games and uh, and we're tuning in, and, and then they're getting twice the money, and us us not enjoying it is a is a price they're willing to pay. No, no,
0: hundred percent, Annie. I mean, that's it, and and it's been like that the whole way because you know there's there's always a sweet spot with these things, and usually they, they push it well well past and when when, when money comes in. But yeah, Beryl, go ahead. You want to say something.
1: Yeah, uh and, you know, um uh, alluding to to what they've just said uh, about, you know, th- that we have, um, you know, we have uh, we have the, the the 40-hour work week, uh, in the Netherlands 38 hours now, uh, and we have a certain amount of, of uh you know, a holiday and we have sick leave, etc. But you know, all of these things have been achieved through to collective action to through <laughs> through through people uh, you know um, uh, have have you know n- not not uh, uttering their grievances uh, individually but you know uh, doing it unions. collectively unions uh, and and if if the players don't unionize and don't strike it's <laughs> this might sound very very old-fashioned uh, you know this will continue because the same people that flog these players are the same people that don't care that thousands of, of workers have died building the stadiums in Qatar. And, and and these are the same people that don't care that people die in sweatshops, uh, um, you know, making our our t-shirts uh, that, that that are sold sold in Primark and, and whatever other uh, shops. So uh, th- there's only one way, and there's only uh, one group of people who can stop this, and, and this is these players. And if they don't, then yeah, um, we we will watch probably.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you're you're actually you're 100 right, Barol. And I think that's something that, that's gotten lost in in the modern world. We we don't have any of the so-called benefits or privileges we have today for nothing. We got them through sacrifice. We got them through the sacrifice of others, and they're not permanent. They're not fixed in stone. They can be taken away by any unscrupulous government who manages to fix it so that they can do it, and they're doing it. Quite a little bit with Brexit, but let's not go too too deep into into anything like that. So yeah, I mean these are things that that have been fought for and and, and need to be protected. And, and likewise, the, the players are really the only ones that can do it. Fans can help, but but only so much because as Andy says, even if even if even if the match going supporter decides not to do it, then the, the the casual supporter, or whatever watches the World Cup and and so on and so forth. These things happen. So. So I suppose it is, you know, when it, when when it comes down to it, for better working conditions, it comes down to the workforce. Um, but yeah, so to you know, we'll we'll wrap it up a little, a little bit on there. We've, we've moved on a little bit from from the Ericsson chat, but but yeah, interesting nonetheless because I don't think uh, it certainly doesn't happen in a vacuum. What happened to to Christian Ericsson there? Um, so yeah, moving on then to to more cheery things. Uh, um, so uh, come back to you, Dave, on on this um, moment of, of the or what's impressed you about the tournament so far? Kind of moment of the tournament or game of the tournament so far? Anything that sort of stood out for you? Well,
3: I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to talk about it, least because go for it. I have my maternal affiliation there, and I always kind of like to see them do well. Um, and uh, there's been. I, I kind of fancied them outsiders. I, I stuck a tenner on them at, at eleven to 1, 10 to one, or eleven to one. I think they're around the sevens now. Great, nice collective. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, <coughs> I watched I watched Northern Ireland play them. Um, I've kind of followed Mancini's renaissance of the national team. Um, after Prandelli kind of, or Venturi, Venturi kind of flogged him to death, um, he's basically tried a whole pile of different things, brought a whole pile of young players through. He's kind of settled on a 20, 25, 26, 27 kind of man squad. And the, I think they are the team that's most impressed me. I've seen every team playing now, but they're the team that's most impressed me. I think the way they went about their business against Turkey was absolutely superb. First half, they were so full of energy. They reminded you of Liverpool at their best, where whenever they lost the ball, the midfield just gobbled it up again. And that's without Marco Verrani there. That's without uh, Renzo Pellegrini there as well. You know, Luchateli's essentially the, what, sixth choice midfielder, and he's... Super, and the set, they didn't score in the first half. And I thought, fuck me! Like, can they, keep, can they keep this intensity up? And they come out in the second half, and they were even better. And the options they have off the bench, Kie, um, I'm a big, big fan of Kieza, um, Bernardesi not so much. They've got Bellotti there, who's an absolute beast of a centre forward. Gives you something completely different than a does. And they've got masses of experience at the back. Benucci and Tiellini, they've got a, a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper, um, who's essentially going to have the pick of whatever club he wants, uh, which looks like it's possibly going to be, be PSG. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably don't want to get down the, the, the agent conversation again. So yeah, I, th- I think they were absolutely excellent. Um, really fluid front three, great movement. Um dismantled Turkey. Sorry, Barrow but absolutely dismantled them. Didn't think that I I back Turkey. Very, did. Yeah, I back Turkey is like dark horses to go and do well. Um maybe quarters or whatever. And maybe they will, but the way Italy just completely dominated the game from start to finish, got the first goal, then we won a second, we won a third. They're gonna be difficult to beat to watch France tonight and yeah, they were good, but they haven't evolved from the team that won the World Cup. They're still the compact, narrow side that really just wants to kick him in behind and rely on Mbappe's unbelievable pace. Like, the one where he probably should have had the penalty. How he gets that ball ahead, of, uh, is it Ginter, I think? It's phenomenal. And if, oh, it better it? touch... Sorry?
2: It's Hummels, isn't it? Is Himmels. it
3: Hummels? Yeah.
2: Hummels, yeah. Because Ali McCoy talked about how he was 32 for about a minute straight.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, sorry, it is Humbles for the penalty, but Humbles has about a 15 15 yard head start on him. I and mean, I know Humbles isn't quick, but Jesus Christ! But like I say, I don't think they've evolved massively from the, from the side that they were. Spain look great technically as they always do, but I think they're I think they lack lack something in both boxes. Portugal, I think, will probably pose a really stiff test for anyone. Um, I think is that Rafa Silva come on tonight and really started to make really made a complete difference. Um Ronaldo will obviously take the headlines. Aside from the two goals, he doesn't do a wide lot, but again, that's just Ronaldo, he just sticks the ball in the net and that's just that's just it. So we'll see if they can continue to accommodate him. But all in all, yeah, Italy look for me. You know, I'm I'm feeling secure in my tenor. Um, and I'm just, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these big nations play each other. Um, because a lot of them look like they're maybe not great at the back. There's, there's center halves that are in nearly 40 all over the place, everywhere. Um, and loads of brilliant tag and talent on display. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm really really excited to get into the knockout and see what kind of pans out.
0: Okay, excellent. So the Italians catching Dave's eye there. Uh, yeah, I mean they must say they, they look very very impressive and they were particularly notable for as, as you mentioned they're up in their game in the second half, which we haven't actually seen that, that much of in the games so far in terms of the the bigger teams. Um, so they were they were ex- excellent and. Uh, as I mentioned, I jumped on with a tenor as well on Italy. So let, let's let's hope they go all the way. Um, what about you, Andy? Then any uh, yeah, obviously what's what stood out for you? You can go go for a team or a game or a goal or any, anything you want.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree with what Dave said in Italy there. They just looked so incisive, so quick, so choreographed. I mean, so often when you see teams set up the way Turkey did, and I, I was quite surprised in the way Turkey set up, and it makes me think that maybe they actually didn't intend to set up that way. They were just completely forced into it and penned back and camped in their own half because that's a Turkey team. You know, Dave says he backed them to get the corners, or uh, the corners be a bit of a surprise package. It's a team that hammered Holland 4-2 in March in the qualifiers, uh, went to Norway, who are a decent international side now, uh, with, a, like, with obviously the Haaland stands out, but they have a lot of very good players and a decent defence as well. Uh, won their League B Nations League group. They went to Norway and won 3-0. Um, they only drew, I think they drew Latvia at home after being 3-1 up. That That's the only thing that uh, took them away from having nine points from their first nine games in a very difficult group. So I was shocked. By the I way. might
3: be wrong, but I think they took four points
2: off France in the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. I think I think France and Turkey were very close at the at the top of the they group. Did. So, um and weren't Turkey uh were, am I right in saying Turkey were one of the top seeds? Were they even uh, they might have been second second pot. So, you know, a very good side and you know, top quality players throughout the side, Yilmaz and Yazici are the ones getting all the credit for um their the season they've had at uh, at Lille. Obviously, Yilmaz is kind of first season in the top five leagues. And he's he's been, he's been like the best signing that ever been ever seen in France. And, you know, the people phoning up uh, French podcasts from Lille. Lille's a very big Turkish population saying that, you know, they're going to name their firstborn Burak. So, you know, he's riding the absolute crest of a wave. I'd say he'll get some chances and maybe get a couple of goals in the next couple of games. But Italy just moved the ball so quickly, so accurately um, you know, a pass was made, somebody else was already making the run. They looked like a team that's played together for, for five, six years, which isn't the case for a lot of them because of a lot of young players, as Dave mentions. Um, so, yeah, Italy looked like champions to me. But it's, it's cup football at the end of the day. You know, all it takes is one bad game or not to take a couple of chances in a match and you find yourself in a penalty shootout and, and anything can happen. I mean, you know... Italy looked like the best team there, but you wouldn't have said Portugal were the best team there in 2016. uh, Far from it. And, you know, there could be a a team like that 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 arises through. And and one of the teams that's that's quite interesting is Spain, because we all know they've left out all the Real Madrid players. They've got a very uh, Barcelona-esque Team there, obviously Luis Enriquez won want to travel with Barcelona and they play like a Barcelona team in that Cruyffian mold and you know the the positional play this this whole thing that, that bores a lot of people and at times it's bored me and certainly it's bored me about Man City this season but they attack in such a structure Barcelona they used to talk about Guardiola's Barcelona playing like twenty five passes before they actually tried to attack so that they were in in such a strong structure so when they lose the ball that they're you know they're um they're they're in shape and they they don't get caught out like the way for example Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp in the early days tried to play you win the ball up high the team's disorganized you create chances for your forwards so i I was chatting to Dave the other night we were talk, talking about how they were weren't great in both boxes but that positional play and that kind of possession style of play it can it can really protect uh, a lot of defenders like John Stones I think, is massively protected by possession Nicolas Aldomendi was a player that people were talking about as one of the best defenders in the Premier League for one for one season before he was really exposed. A game protected by possession. So, Spain are a team I can see passing their way to nil nil against anybody, and then who knows? But that said, <clears throat> excuse me. That said, there, you know, there's not necessarily a game that I definitely think they can win either. They've obviously got Slovakia coming up. Slovakia are one of the weakest teams in the tournament. They'll probably get the job done there, but they don't have that ruthless centre-forward of David Villa, of Fernando Torres, of whoever it may be, or even you know, like the, they don't have the really the quality in the midfield to play the 4-6-0 or the, you know, the likes of a Cesc Fabregas up front. So they're a really weird one, and I'm not really sure what to expect for them. Uh, moment of the tournament is... <sighs> I quite enjoyed the the Austria-North Macedonia game, especially Macedonia scoring, the kind of narrative about Goran Pandev being the oldest player ever to score, or second oldest player ever to score in a championship. You know, I enjoyed the the stadium being, I think it was more or less 80% full of North Macedonians. And, you know, that's a team who, we were talking earlier, but there's going to be a host nation for the next one. That's probably going to mean League D in the Nations League's going to lose its spot because there's going to be one less team from qualifying. So you look at Macedonia and you think, that's almost definitely the only time in their country's history they're ever going to qualify for a major tournament so why not have a go and they really did have a go and i really enjoyed it and they were a bit unlucky not to be two one up before you know moments of quality from sabitzer and Alab ultimately decided but you know they had some cracking technical players i think the guy elmas in the uh, elmas is it in the midfielder the, the number 10 he looked really good and um, the players knocking it about they certainly weren't you know Packing everyone behind the ball and just trying to get a point because why would you? You know they were they were good fun and they showed that you don't have to play in that way. You don't have to bore the life out of everybody um, to be effective against those major teams. And you look at that ball Sabitzer put in and that ball Alaba put in for the the, the second goal scored by Gregorich. Like if it's you unreal. Ten, if you if you've ten men behind the ball, Dave, like you're gonna get picked apart by those moments of quality anyway. You know it it wouldn't have made a difference who was in the box. The the quality of those balls of pace on them. Uh, is always going to happen, so you might as well get up and have a go, and I, they really impressed me, I, I, I let out a big cheer for that goal, I really enjoyed it uh, what a moment, and listen Holland looked good, looked better than what I thought, but they're certainly not infallible, Ukraine listen <laughs> we know all about as Northern Irish people uh, we know all about kind of being a minnow at a major tournament and targeting Ukraine as, your, as a game you have to win, so I wouldn't be surprised if Macedonia actually get a point or even a win in these last two which I think would be incredible.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was some story. I mean, Goran Panda, um I couldn't yeah. believe when I saw his name on the team set. It, it was. I mean, I, I knew that he was playing for them because i have been listening to the Totally Football Show and they mentioned it, like they did a wee, wee thing on North Macedonia. But for him to score and for that for it to be that kind of comedy goal as well, where he's just rolling it in, doing empty that. Do you remember was he played for Inter Milan about... Fucking twenty years well, ago. Twenty years ago, I had him on Championship Manager 2001. It's absolutely outrageous. Yep. Oh, so, and yeah, right when
1: we also went his the former manager was called Championship Manager. Go ahead. Uh, also scored the the goal that qualified them for the uh, for the Championship. Here. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Goran Panet basically is North Macedonia. <laughs> he is. He's. He's. Yeah. He's gonna. There are gonna be statues of him certainly if there aren't already. Um. So yeah, a wonderful story and a shame they couldn't. They couldn't. Um. Get a point out of it, but yeah, I mean they. They. You know they could. They could pick up something certainly. So overall, Andy highlights a few things there. Went for Italy again. Obviously looked very very impressive against uh, against Turkey. Unfortunately. Um, but also talked a lot about Spain and, and, and I mentioned there for, for North Macedonia. So, how about yourself? Yeah. Any key moments so far? Anything that's really stood out for you?
1: Yeah. I, I have, uh, two, two horses in this race. And, uh, you know, the first horse was, <laughs> was Turkey against Italy. And, and, um, uh, you know, also, Labeled a, a dark horse by, 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 lots of people. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's not that much of a dark horse then. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think Turkey is a, is a, is a team in, in, uh, in progress and development. Uh, it's the youngest, uh, team, uh, at the Euros. Um, and, you know, that doesn't include Pura Kilmaz, who is, uh, I don't know even how old he is, but you know, I, I, he's been around forever, not as long he's as. He's 36 Pante, but, next
2: month, uh, bro.
1: Yeah, okay, so so he's he's close to Goran Pandev age, but um, you know, he, he is, and you know, he he was also so likened to, uh, to to Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, not at the same level of course, but he has some of the same um, um, characteristics. It's it, for him scoring the goal is. Everything that's important about the game, and uh, um, he, he has played in, in Turkey for Trabzonspor, for Besiktas, uh, for, for Fenerbahce, and for Galatasaray, which is, you know the traditional top four you could say. Uh, and then he, uh, you know, when when all of them uh, said he, he was too old to play to play professional football, he went to Lille and and, and you know became champions of France with them. And uh, you know Andy t- told us about this. Uh, um, and, you know, much better than I just did. But um, so I, I was a, a bit hopeful, but I, I think they were dreadful. You know, tactically it was terrible. They, they, there was no plan to do what they wanted to do. You know, in the, in the first half they just tried to stop Italy, which you know they did. And I, I didn't think Italy had lots of chances, but you know were, were you know very much the dominant side. But uh, in the second half they tried to open up a bit, but they didn't have any plan to do how to do it. It, it was, you know, Merit Demiral, who was uh, was a great defender. in, in you could say the Italian, it, Italian tradition, you know, he is very good at defending. He's, he's very um, hard, um, you know, sometimes makes a foul if he needs to, um, tall lad. But, you know, not the best at playing out from the back. Uh, you all know Chalar Um I think the same applies to him. Not, not very good at, from playing out from the back. Uh, and the same applies to the, the goalkeeper. So, you know, <laughs> those three things combined and trying to play out from the back didn't work very well, I think. So, um, uh, unless they change tactics and maybe um, use the the, you know, world-class Defender uh, Ozan Kabak. I'm just kidding a bit. Um, you know, but you know he, he is very good. Um, in in uh, maybe they they have a chance to to, to, to grab some points against uh, against Wales and, uh, and Switzerland. I, I thought Switzerland played actually very very well. And Braylen Bola was uh, I think he was very impressive. And how Wales got a point there um, is you know a bit beyond me. So I thought they were better than they than they than I would would have expected. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's it's Switzerland. You know that they will go out somewhere, um, maybe in the group stage and maybe in the quarterfinals, and whatever. They, they, they were not much of a challenge. Coming to the second horse in my race, uh, it, which is of course the Netherlands, uh, the Orange, um, Holland, whatever you might call them. Um, I think um, uh, the the game against Ukraine was a bit like uh, the Liverpool 2013-14, uh, all-out attack, not so sound at the back. Um, and, you know, with Frank de Boer, I, 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 he is a very... No, I, let's let's not say... I, I think if I say he's not the best manager they could have got...
3: Limited, maybe...
1: Limited is, is the word I was, uh, you know, um, not finding there. Thank you for that. Um, I, I don't think they will, they don't have the control to, to win a tournament like this. Uh, lots of good players. And I thought it was a very enjoyable match. Um, you know, five goals. But, um, if you, you know, if you get to uh, have a 2-0 advantage, then you, you, you can't, then concede two goals and not if you're having home advantage uh, against Ukraine, who has a, also a very young team. Um, I was impressed with Chepchenko, uh, the manager who uh, brought on uh, Marlos uh, because of injury uh, of, I forgot his name, but Golubkov, uh, something like that. But um, um, but he was very bad, and I think he was at fault for, for both goals uh, the Dutch scored in the first, uh, you know, the first two goals that they scored. And he took him off, you know. Just, so, uh, you know, that's not something that every manager has the guts to do. Um, and that triggered the 2-2. But eventually they were, weren't were um, good enough to, to hold on to that 2-2. But I think they have a very talented team. And I'm, I, I, I'm afraid they might, might hurt uh, uh, Northern Macedonia. Um, who were just as Andy just said, and I think Dave alluded to it too, played some really fun football, and and that's what what it's about. You know, it's it's, it's no fun uh, coming to this uh, to these you, know, you, you 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 go through the qualification to get to the finals, and then don't play football, and then go out after three. Three uh, group games. You know, let's let's have some fun. I, I'd, I'd say, and, and North Macedonia certainly were doing that. And uh, it would be fun if they go ahead uh, of uh, of Austria, um, who are very uh, you know clinical. I thought they were did use their good players enough, but uh, the way uh, Arnautovic reacted, um, um, especially against the uh, the ethnically Albanian players, uh, playing at North Macedonia. And the fun thing is, you know, his, his nick, his, his, his surname, Arnautovic, mean, mean, literally means uh, son of Albania. But he's Serbian himself. So, you know, he, he <laughs> expressed, expressed some, some, you know, non-love against the
0: me, madness Albanian. of nationality in a nutshell. Yeah.
3: I it's, hit my you know, name, and it's your you just, fault. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's you yeah, know, you just scored a goal. Just be happy, jackass. Just wow. you know, why why be you know? But you know, this is a very good player, but very silly player at the same time. So I, I would love them to go ahead of Austria, just just because of that. Um, yeah, that's enough impressions I'd say.
0: Okay.
3: excellent. I think Chief, I think it would be just remiss and not to mention, and I can't believe anybody hasn't mentioned it. Uh, first of all, Patrick Sheik's second goal against Scotland.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, that is a goal that, that uh, I actually just haven't seen it. Yet, right? but... Uh, you haven't
3: you seen, seen it?
1: it?
0: But uh, I've heard that he became, a, he became a verb with it, so... Uh, so have you, you not seen that goal? I've not seen it yet, so you can talk... Oh, about my it. God. Oh,
2: Say it was a chickener for Scotland.
0: Oh, very good, very good. <laughs>
2: it's not um, mine.
3: Love that. You have to go and watch this. It's unreal. I don't know what. I, like, I think it's somebody, somebody Henry, Stephen Henry, we out It must be. He, <laughs> he he has a shot from about Jack thirty-five. Henry. He has Jack Henry things on He has a shot from about thirty-five yards, and it hits the defender. And you're thinking, what are you doing, shooting from there? It's like a Deja Lovren effort that hits somebody before it flies out of the stadium. And it just rebounds to the halfway line and Schick just runs onto it and he takes a touch and he pings the keeper from 50 yards, but he doesn't just ping him like Beckham. He kind of bends it because he's not in the middle of the pitch. So he hits it and he kind of hits it high over the keeper and bends it and it just drops right into the top corner. And I think what's really impressive about this was the keeper from being, I think he was, what, did they say he was 40 yards out of his goal? 39 yards or something out of his goal. He actually nearly gets it. And if the ball's a yard lower going into the net under the bar, he probably gets a hand to it. Because you have to watch that.
0: Yeah, I've just I've just seen it. I've just Googled it now. I've just done it on YouTube. Some goal. Some well, goal. Unreal. Tell me anyway. you eat your heart out. Like, so, yeah, <laughs> some goal. Indeed. So, yeah. And but what stuck out, out for you? If you wanted to. You wanted no, to, just what just what stuck out for you? Um. Yeah, I mean, Italy Italy stuck out for me. Uh, I had obviously I was looking out for them because I, I fancied them myself, and and they looked very very impressive. Portugal looked like this looked like the second best team at this point. Um. Germany looked look iffy um and probably of of the of the dark horses that that probably is a dark horse that nobody was really talking about Ukraine looked looked the most likely to to kind of emerge from from that group to you know behind probably behind the netherlands but that they they could give teams problems because they've got a lot of pace and they're handy and Shubchenko seems to know what he's doing but just generally all in all I'm just I'm just happy with it it's just like like everyone said, it's been a great sort of first week for a tournament that nobody was really looking forward to that much and it kind of sneaked up snuck up on everyone. And now it's a festival of football and everyone's kind of enjoying it. The weather's good, the beer gardens are full. And yeah, there's three more weeks of it to go. So they'd probably, well, good. probably say they'd be be my impression. Generally generally positive. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see how it goes on so on that note then we'll, we'll probably wrap it up there i think we've, we've uh bent your ear for for long enough listener if, if you if you've stuck with us we managed to get a, a good round out of that so a huge huge thanks to my to my panel uh beryl Akis, andy bell and dave dunnan it's been great tonight and uh a big thanks obviously to to you for for sticking with us and um Yeah, I've been your host Ned Patterson and hopefully we'll be back with another uh, special edition perhaps after the, the next round of matches or a wee bit later in the tournament anyway. So yeah, until then, all the very best.